Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed from the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Karen. Hi, good afternoon, good early evening. My name is Karen. I'm a compulsive reader and an anorexic. Hi, everybody. Well, um, I'm really grateful to be here today, and as I look out, I see so many beautiful eyes looking back at me, and I welcome the newcomers. It took such courage for you to come here today, so um, we're just so grateful that you're here, and I can only share my experience, strength, and hope, but I do know that all the eyes looking at me, we all share the same disease and the same weaknesses, and um, that's what I found when I came to these rooms. So just to qualify a little bit, um, I have both sides of this disease, but I've been, I, I've identified as an anorexic now for, it's since I've been in the rooms, but clearly my weight, the size of what I look like, it, I, I was an anorexic. But I did grow up, um, what my mom says I wasn't, but I was. I was chunky. By the time I got married, I was 160 pounds. By the time I had my first child after the birth, I was 180. So I know what it's like to grow up to be called chunky. I know what it's like to be called up, to be, you know, bullied. Um, I know what it's like to be feeling alone, and the only thing that made me feel better was pizza or food or whatever that nobody could see because it was shoved under my bed after I ate it at night alone in my room. Um, that's where I found the soothing for all the loneliness that I felt when I was much younger. Um, and it's so hard to live outside of these rooms uh, and be comfortable in my body, and it doesn't matter what size I am. Being in these rooms has brought me a life. Like, I, I literally am standing here before you alive because of these rooms. As an anorexic, before these rooms, I was actually in the rooms a couple of months, six months, and then I, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said to me, I need to tell you what you weigh. And this was while I was in the rooms about five or six months, and I said, I don't want to know what I weigh. And he literally, this was when I was 48 years old, the doctor said to me, he turned the computer screen around and he said, I just need to tell you that you have, you weigh 89 pounds, and you are at a lower body mass than anybody else that walks into my doctor's office. If you don't put weight on, I'm putting you into the hospital. And something that he was one of my voices from God, I just realized I'm, I, there's, I, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. And that, along with working this program, has given me the life I have today. But growing up, the experience that I had was one of sheer loneliness. That food was the only thing that made me feel better. And, and it did. And I'm grateful for it. It got me through a lot. But it didn't make me happy. Every time I would eat whatever it is that I was eating, and I would, believe me, as I'm sure you all can, the only thing that stopped me from eating whatever I was eating was my, my hand hit the bottom of a box, or my hand hit the bottom of a bag, or my hand went into a box and there was nothing left, 
or it just went or or on and on and on and it just wasn't enough to fill me up but at the time it made me feel better I was able to isolate I was not part of a clicky group of girlfriends growing up I didn't have the clothes that everybody else had I felt I was just not part of it I really was not part of and um, and that brought me more to the food. I remember where, and you know, of course, me being, me, us, whatever, me being a compulsive reader, I found those great jobs where it would get me right straight to my alcoholic foods. Those part-time jobs in high school, like, you know, even if I worked at a bookshop, which I did, I couldn't wait for the guy to come with the cart to sell me my lunch. Like, I would leave the, the counter to go run to get the food that the guy was bringing in to sell for my lunch. These are things that I did while I was in the food. And this is the experience that I have outside of these rooms. I can share the experience with you because we all have very similar experiences because I have a disease. I am a compulsive overeater. I go to food to make me feel better. That's what I do outside of the rooms. And it's not just about the food. It's about what it does to my head. It's about living life and not living it. Really, not living life. And that was the experience that I had growing up. That was the experience I had in, when I was in friendships, when I was in relationships, when I, I, I just wasn't living. I was with somebody and then wanting to go and eat. I was with friends and all I wanted to do was become friends with the people that had the car to take me to the places that I needed to go binge. I was very manipulative. I wasn't a great person when I was growing up. I've done things that I've now been able to make amends for. Things, actions that I look back and I think, you know, I thought I was just so much better than everybody else. So much full of ego. And you know, I just was not a good person. It was all about me. It was all about me when I was growing up. It was all about me when I was married. It was all about me when I became a mom. And it was all about food and what I could get and when I could have it. And I mean, I did things that I could share with all of you that you know that's what we do when we want our alcohol. I left the car running with my kids in it to go get my alcoholic food. I had kids that, through a divorce, were dropped off at the gym while mom at 10 o'clock at night is on the treadmill working off the food that I've eaten. And my kids are tired. It's 10 o'clock at night and they're sitting on the treadmill waiting for me to finish. That's the kind of stuff that I did. I stole. I stole from supermarkets. I stole from, oh, this is just a sample. Let me see how it tastes. I've done all of these things, and I've had to realize that I need to make an amends. This is my experience outside of these rooms. This is my experience of not being a great person if I'm not being held accountable. So this is my experience. But what I also want to share as well is my strength. Where do I get my strength? Because this is why we've got newcomers here. And as I share from here, I'm also reaching out to the beautiful people that I also extend my hand and heart to, which is my sponsor who actually moved to Florida. And I also have a sponsor who lives in Switzerland that I help. So this program has afforded me the ability to share my experience and also my strength. So where do I get strength? 
I get strength from being in these rooms, just like the newcomers came today. I was a newcomer just about five years ago. At 48 years old, I walked into these rooms, and I knew that I could not continue eating alcoholic food from the trash can. I knew that I could not continue binging at night so that when I burped in the morning, you could actually smell what I ate the night before. And I could share this with you because you all understand that. You, I, I, I don't feel embarrassed to share that because I have a disease. And if I don't out what I used to do, then people cannot identify with me. And that's what I'm here for, is to share not just my experience, but my strength. And my strength is that these rooms have helped me, that I don't do that anymore, almost five years in January. These rooms have afforded me the ability to weigh in. Now I'm hovering at about 106. So I went from 89 to 106. That is a miracle. I couldn't do it on my own. That's the hope that we get, right? The strength that we get from these rooms by coming here, by being a part of this amazing community of people that are trying to just recover one day at a time from a disease. When I walked into these rooms at 48, I literally started crying because I could identify with what the speaker was saying. I had no idea why if I took one bite of something, I couldn't stop. Like, I made this promise to myself all day at school. I was a classroom teacher at the time. I just know I'm, I'm, my car's not going to go there. I'm great. I'm good. And lo and behold, the promise is broken after the school bell rang. I'm on my way. And then I would just go to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Because that, I, I couldn't do it on my own. I tried. I promised myself. And then it just it couldn't happen. So, the strength that I get is that I come to these rooms at 48. I don't know how I heard of Overeaters Anonymous. I just did. I walked into the room. It was a cold night on a Thursday night by myself. Meeting had already started, so I know what courage it takes to walk into these rooms. Meeting had already started, and all I did was listen to the speaker, and all I did was start crying because I realized that I'm with my people. These people understand what I'm doing. I'm not dirty in what I'm doing. I have a disease. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I didn't know that. I had no idea. I knew what I was doing was, was crazy with food. I knew that I was just, I would, I would eat so much, and then I would be on the treadmill. And then the next day I would restrict, and then the next day this, and, then the, and my head was constantly, it was never peaceful, ever. That's not a way to live. That's not a quality of life that I wanted. I wasn't present for anybody except for myself. It was all about me and what I needed to get in order to fill me up for that one second. So I walk into the rooms like the newcomers did today, brand new, 48 years old, and then I heard the message. That night, I found someone who would be my sponsor for a year and a half, and she helped save my life. She truly did. And I'm grateful to her. She's not my sponsor anymore, but she, she carried me through until I was ready to move on, until I realized that I'm an anorexic and I need someone to help me or I'm going to die. And that's the truth with my disease. I used to sit in the rooms and go, oh, I'm not going to die from my disease. I'm thin. Oh, that's so not true. So not true, because thin was never enough. 89 pounds and going down. Truly. So... That's the strength that I get from, this, from these rooms. And, you know, it, it, it's work. 
its work, and I have to share with you, it's become a part of my life. It's part of my blood to be part of OA. I'm not ashamed to tell people. I spread the message. You know, people see, they're like, oh, you're so diligent with your food. No, I have a food plan. That's what I have to do as a recovering anorexic compulsive overeater. I give my food. I, I do my food plan. I give it to my sponsor every morning. I'm a recovering anorexic. I have to count my calories, and I have to weigh my food. Because I have the opposite side of, of a disease that someone who perhaps might want to add food, I would prefer not adding food. I would prefer having less than more. But I'm a compulsive overeater, and I have to be held accountable, and that's what this program does for me. That's the hope that I get from this program every day, that as long as I'm willing to be accountable, not just for my food, but for my actions, my actions with other people, my actions with my family, with my kids, with my friends, with coworkers. Because if I'm not held accountable and I don't act with grace and dignity, I'm right back in the food. Because that's what my head will tell me. Oh, you're not feeling well? You know what? Let me tell you. Go have this and go have that. Because I have a diseased voice. And that's what will guide me. But working these steps, being in these rooms, Having a higher power, which is all of you. When I'm quiet in my head, I can hear the message. And the message can come to me from anybody. And it, do, it really does from anybody, from shares, from reading my literature, which I do daily, from doing the writing that I do. I work the tools of recovery on a daily basis because that saves my life. And it keeps me in integrity. The one thing I always wanted, and I and I really mean this, is that I want to put my head down at night and be peaceful. I want to put my head down at night and know that I was abstinent for the day. I want to put my head down at night and know that I didn't act in ego, that I didn't hurt somebody, that I didn't hurt myself, that I was present for my children. That's a big one for me. I wake up every morning now and I think, okay, how can I be of service? What does maybe my son need? What maybe does my daughter need? What newcomer came into the rooms yesterday and was crying and might need a phone call? Who can I reach out to that's, that's not feeling well? These are the things that I do, and I try to stay very cognizant of how can I be of service. That's what this program has done for me. It's taken me out of me. It was all about me. I want this. I want it now. I want, I want, I want, I want. I want to be all-knowing at work. Uh, doesn't everybody look at me and see the beautiful light that is emitted from my head because I'm so powerful? But the truth of the matter is that's not who I am. And it's so great to be one of many. It's so more peaceful to be, someone said this and it's so true, I'd rather be a passenger on the bus than be the driver. It's so less stressful, right? We hear, let go, let God. And it's so true. It's so true. The hope that I give, and I, I wanted, I, I thought this is so great. I heard this on a share. So think of how you spell the word hope, right? You have H for higher, O for over, P for power, and E for eater. So what comes between our overeating is our higher power. If you think of how you spell the word hope, don't ask me where I heard it. It was probably on a podcast. So thank you, whoever said it, or many. But that is the truth. That comes between my that comes before me in the overeating. It's some higher power. 
I can say for me, it's God. It's an energy. It's when I look out and I see these beautiful eyes who came here today to be part of recovery. And I look at all of you and I just, everyone touches me. And it's not even just in the rooms. If I'm willing to hear the message, I hear it from, it doesn't matter from where they are. And here's where I am today. You know, I get to spread the message. I do not do this perfectly. That's not the message I want to spread. But I do do this abstinently. And I do weigh and measure my food. And I do get on the scale because I have to be held accountable as an anorexic. And I do have to send my weight up to my sponsor. And I do the work. I go to meetings even when I don't want to. I do what we call contrary action. There's many things I don't want to do, and believe me, one of them was trying to get through tonight. But I'm here, and I'm spreading the message. And people around the world can get to listen to people who are trying to recover. And that's all I'm trying to do one day at a time, is trying to recover. Because if I'm in the food, my head is way bigger than any amount of food that I could shove in my body. And I'm not a happy camper. And I don't act nicely. And I'm angry, and I'm mean. And I'm all the things that brought me to the rooms to begin with. So as I share this message, right, because I have to be experienced, strength, and hope, and I have to share this with you. For the first time, I heard the term esh. And I sat there, I'm like, esh, what is esh? And then I thought, oh, it's experienced, strength, and hope, you know, another acronym that, that, that I'm like, oh, I got, I, now I understand it. So where is the hope? The hope is in the message that we get to come to these rooms. The hope is in the message that the newcomers don't leave here without feeling that you could put your hand in someone else's here in this room. Because one thing I can share with you is that I know I'm not alone. Ever. And I'm a single woman, and there are nights when I'm at home, and I feel very lonely. I could feel lonely, but I know I'm not alone. My sponsor was the one that with me when I went to go get an MRI for my thyroid. She went with me. She stood, she stood there. She held my hand. When I'm not feeling well, I reach out to my fellows, some of them that are here. This is what the program does for us. So when newcomers walk in, it is such a beautiful feeling to know that what you feel, you are not alone. Anything that you think that we all feel that we've done with food, we're not unique. None of us are unique. And that's the beauty of what we share together, is that we have a compuls- we are compulsive readers, we have a disease, but here is the solution. And the solution is in these rooms. And the solution is in that amazing big book, right? The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the steps. And doing all the tools of recovery that, um, that take work. But God, it, it's amazing that if we're just willing to do the work, we, we can recover. And... Um, you know, I just want to be here for as long as I can to be with my kids. And, um, and, and as I get older, I'm getting little hints from my doctors, various ones that I have to go to, some of which is the wreckage of my past. You know, dental work from too much sugar on the left-hand side and all kinds of stuff. A rheumatologist because I have osteoporosis and all these different things that we all get to share. But you know what? I know that I have to take the action, and the action is self-care. The action is to get through things that are uncomfortable, because that's what contrary action tells me to do, and I do it without going to food. It doesn't even dawn on me to go to my alcoholic food when I'm in a situation, and life brings us the ebb and the flow. 
my life is not perfect, and on a daily basis, I'm faced with things, but I don't go to the food. I haven't gone to the food for almost five years in January, and that's as a direct result of being in these rooms and working my program. And um, it is a gift to have sponsees. It is a gift to spread the message. It is a gift to be part of a fellowship where I sit in meetings and people are so raw. People share in these rooms like the outside world is not friendly for me as a compulsive overeater. It's just not. But in these rooms, I can share and be with people who get me and I get you. And it's a fellowship that is like no other. I, 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 I don't know what I would be without OA. It's given me love and kindness. It's given me hands to reach out to, but I have to make the phone calls. And I have to be willing to attend meetings. And I have to be willing to do my work and do my food plan and commit my food and be honest and go to a higher power when things are hard. I wanted to share something. I wanted to share, even yesterday, you know, one of the things that I do on a nightly basis is the 10th step. And the 10th step for newcomers or people that don't know it, it's a really great way of reflecting on our day. And my 10th step is such that I, uh, there are certain questions that I have to answer. One of them, or two of them, one of them is, did you see or hear God today? And that one keeps me present for the day. Because I know that I'm going to need to answer that question when I send off my 10th step at night. And it could just be seeing a hummingbird. It could just be uh, a, a student saying hi to me as they run across the playground. It doesn't matter what it is. It makes me be present for the day. And then there's another one that I never could have answered before the rooms. What loving act did you do for yourself today? Before the rooms, that would have been, what food did I shove down my throat so that I didn't feel something, right? But that's not where I am today. Yesterday, it's driving home and having this epiphany of, you know what? I'm not going to go tomorrow to a training. It's voluntary. I'm not going. I need the day to recover, the day to just be. And it was such a beautiful gift to myself. And those are the kinds of gifts that I afford myself now. Those are the kinds of gifts. It's not the food. It's staying away from my food that's going to cause me to go down that rabbit hole that I don't want to live. We hear it all the time. And I've lived it. I don't want to be outside of the rooms in an unfriendly environment in my food. And I, 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 the people in these rooms are such great friends and fellows and loved ones of mine. And um, I hope that I've shared what we call ESH, experience, strength, and hope. And um, I'm really grateful that I can spread the message. And I'm really grateful that I was able to be here with newcomers in the rooms because you are such an important part of our program. And I truly hope that the message is that you, nobody should ever leave here feeling alone that we are all part of a solution together, and the solution is in these rooms. They truly are if we're only willing to work it. And there's always people here that are willing to take, take you down the path of recovery. You just have to be willing to reach out, which takes a lot of courage. So I really am grateful. Thank you very much for letting me share this evening. And um, I'm going to stop now so that if there are any questions. So thank you very much.
Uh, the question was, can you talk about your higher power and how what my beliefs were before before recovery? Thank you. So uh, before recovery, um, you know, I probably was like a lot of people that would say, oh, if you would just do this, if God would just do this for me, I will stop eating today. Or if God will just do this for me, I will just stop doing this or I will be a better person or whatever. I don't even know if I actually believed in it. I just think that that was what I grew up hearing, you know, that people, that's just something that someone says. But being in these rooms now, there, I, it, a higher power is part of who I am. It is, it is, and where do I, where do I hear, what, what does higher power mean to me? I don't know if I can actually say it's some kind of a certain entity, but it, a higher power is when I let myself not be in control so that this other energy that's around can kind of guide me. Because this other something that's going on is going to be far better than whatever I could organize. A higher power comes to me in people's voices. If I'm willing to be teachable and if I'm willing to be open-hearted and listen, oh my, I hear God in people's voices and I hear them everywhere. A higher power comes to me in an intuitive voice. Like, I don't know how all of a sudden this idea came to me yesterday. Don't go to the training tomorrow. Just be kind to yourself, Karen. I don't know where that came from. It came in the silence. So my higher power now in the room is a definitive energy. It comes in silence. It comes in peace and tranquility. It cannot come to me if I'm in the food. So higher power really comes to me in the quietness of my head and if I'm willing to listen to others and to the people in the room. And also, you know, if when I read my daily literature, I get amazing. Isn't it amazing how we open up our daily reader and right there's the message that we need to hear for what we're going through in that day, right? So thank you very much for asking your question. Body image. Oh, gaining weight. It's so hard to go up. I, I claw my way up the scale. I've had to let go of jeans, but my sponsor reminds me as I throw them out that, you know, 12-year-old boys shouldn't have to be wearing those. It's not, it's not, right? It's not, it's not easy. But you know, there's a part of me now as I get older where I have to embrace the fact that I, I will not be alive if I go by what my eyes see. My eye, my lens is broken. It doesn't matter. And I actually was in a store, I won't mention which one, looking for a mirror, a full-length mirror. If you ever think you need to go to a therapist, it's to go try to find a full-length mirror that does not distort your body, right? So I actually called a couple people over so that when I looked in the, could you just tell me that what I'm looking at is not distorted? So my answer to you is how do I deal with body image? I just, I weigh in and I just, I have to remind myself when I look in the mirror and I think I look heavy, uh-uh, that's my disease voice and I know what I just weighed in, in, right? I know what I eat each day and I know that I'm not heavy that, that, and I know that my lens is broken. So I need to look at others to give me their lens. How did I notice that what I was doing was, uh, was not normal? Did you say it was not was atypical of what other people were doing. Oh, that was so obvious to me early on. I mean, even as a teenager, you know, I would, I mean, it, I was so manipulative with my food. And, you know, my mom still says, oh, it was so funny. We would walk into the room and your room had so much stuff under the bed. Well, you know, that was indicative right away. But then as I got, then as I got older and clearly I was, you know, in my anorexic stages, I mean, I was, you know, I was binging at night on, on crazy foods and, restricting the next day and everybody could notice. I mean, I, 
it, it just what I was doing was just completely abnormal, you know. And and people at stores would notice me, right? At various in my alcoholic bars, they would just know exactly. Oh, you know, and samples didn't count, so I would get samples and I'd get whatever. And it was just, you know. It, it just wasn't normal. Thank you. So what uh, exercise? How do I commit exercise as part of my plan? You know, it's so interesting. I was talking to a fellow the other night. I used to exercise every day, hardcore, right, to try to work off whatever calories I had had. And that would be after having a trainer in the morning. So I, I, I never thought I was a bulimic until someone said, you can be an exercise bulimic. I'm like, that was such an aha for me. All these things that I've learned in the rooms. But I have serenity around exercise today. Uh, I exercise, I, I, it's part of my plan now more because I'm getting older and I want to keep in cardio, cardi, uh, cardio um, health-wise, I want to stay healthy, but I don't, I'm not harmful to myself anymore. I don't beat myself up to be on the treadmill for close to an hour, uphill grind, at a fast pace, and in my head, like, did I burn? I mean, it was just insanity. So how did I do it? I, I think it's just being in the rooms and starting to be kinder to myself. That's just beating myself up. And I just don't want to do that anymore. I, I, and, and it took away, it was like always manipulative, like counting my calories and how, many, how much do I need to exercise to work it off. And, 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 and it's crazy making. And that just, it's just not a way to live. And I couldn't be present for anybody because I was always planning in my head, well, I ate this and now I need to work this off. And, so the answer to the question is working with a sponsor, listening to other people, going to the doctor and, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a little crack when you get up on your knee here and there to be reminded, I'm getting older, you know, so I can't do what I used to do, um, nor do I want to. That's the truth, nor do I want to because that was not living. So I try to stay healthy and I work with fellows and sponsors to, to keep that way in terms of being a healthy, healthy mind around exercise as well. So how do I guide my sponsees to, to guide them through the step work? I, I truly follow the way my sponsee, my sponsor took me through the steps, um, the current one. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, technology, that I have a sponsee in Switzerland that I work with. So she does writing, uh, she answers questions, she sends me a food plan. I work, I can't ask sponsees to do things that I cannot do myself. So what I ask of my sponsees, uh, one of them is a recovering anorexic, and um, she does exactly what I have to do. She weighs and measures her food. She sends her food plan. We talk three times a week. She calls me. Uh, we text each other all the time. Uh, she sends me her writing, and the same with the other sponsees. Uh, I can't expect them to do anything that I don't do, so I work the program and, and, and expect them to do the same. And that means attending meetings. That means reading literature. That means... You know, once you're in it, to send a 10-step uh, food plan, um, and uh, I, I wish I could say I pray and meditate every day. Perfectly, I do not. I don't do that perfectly, but I try to do it to the best of my ability. So I hope I answered your question. Thank you so much.